Oh, jeez. I, I just want to watch that. I want that as my ringtone. I want that. <laughs> I want that to, if you ring my doorbell, I want that to play in the window of my door. I mean, that's a great little piece. And also that opening segment, I mean, all, just reminds me of how great Michelle Yeoh is doing right now. Oh, I know. And I know. Cynthia Rothrock for that. Yes, yes. Kickstarter and everything. So, yeah. yeah. Two legends right there. What's going on, everybody watching right now? Welcome to another episode of Action Film Autopsy. It's your boy, Fat Samurai Guy, and Kung Fu Santa himself, Rick Myers. Welcome back, Rick. Hey, good to be back. Yeah, it's been forever since you've been here on the channel. Oh, five year, five been, years? And it's been, what, uh, three days? <laughs> three days, yeah. But it's always great having you here, brother. What do you, what's what's the shirt there? What, what do you got there? It is the, uh, the Disney tour. Ah, this okay. Is, this is one of my rare uh, Disney Park shirts. I have them from all over the world. I've been nice. to five of the six Disney parks and also throughout my life. So I'm able to get stuff that's extremely rare and that's decades old. I have one of the very few Euro Disney sweatshirts. Oh, wow. Wow. Which before they changed the name to Disneyland Paris. Interesting, interesting. I was thinking of wearing that tonight. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful uh, shirt. Maybe next time. Yeah, it's, next time. We're doing, sure. we're doing three uh, Disney things tonight. Yeah, I, I do the, and I love, I also love the shirt because, of course, it's it's based on the, what is it, the Da Vinci Divine right. Man. Right, right, right. Yeah, so. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Yep. Who we got in the house? Shout out time. We got Severio here. Brian Sanchez, Jake Hall, Adam Evans, what's going on? Michael Gonzalez. Oh, and Bob Odinson. That's right. Oh, thanks yes. for coming, guys. Yes, thank you, guys. And uh, we have a plethora of things to talk about tonight. That's right. And as is tradition on Action Film Autopsy, Rick always beats Fat Samurai Guy to the punch. <laughs> but the it's punch. always the open hand. The open hand. He beats the me to the open hand. He beats me to the open hand. Slap uh, you inside the head. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's up? What's going on, Danielle? Good to see everybody here. But yeah, uh, he, he, Rick will uh, have more uh, more to say than me today. I, I have some questions though, Rick. Maybe you can help me out here when we get when we get to these uh, uh, projects here. Sure. But let's go ahead and kick it off with the big one. Now, I remember when this was announced way back. I did the trailer reaction to it. It seemed like this was the third in the entry. It seemed like they were trying to make this almost like Avengers scale type movie. That's a, that's what that's what kind of vibe I got from the trailer for Ant Man. Uh, you know, it's very interesting. the The trailer was very deceptive. Okay. When I first saw the the trailer. I didn't get that vibe. Okay. I got the vibe that it was. I got the vibe that it was going to be tragic. That okay. one of one of our beloved heroes was going to die, and horribly. I mean, the way that thing is set up, it kind of looks like uh, Ant-Man is going to sacrifice himself. Gotcha, gotcha. And so I was worried. And also, you know, I had seen what had come before, Doctor Strange and Eternals, and I was just, oh, I'm getting so tired of anything goes. Right. You know, my, my usual phrase, uh, when anything is possible, nothing is interesting. Right. And so I, I, came, I came to Quantum Mania, you know, with, you know, biting my biting my nails, yeah. like, like a Bugs Bunny character, and little <laughs> nails going flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, I mean, and I've been having discussions online with my friends from all around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and I keep on telling them, guys, don't prejudge a movie. Don't try to guess what the movie's going to be. Go see the movie and enjoy it. So right. one of my friends who I've said that to the most came back to me and said, you should, you should, you know, uh, practice what you preach. Okay. Sifu Santa. And I went, you know, you're absolutely right. Right, right. So right. Uh, it did teach me that having lower expectations or being worried about a company who I've treasured for a decade and more. Right is not the way to go because the fact that I was worried about this made me enjoy it more. So if any of you have not seen Quantum Mania yet, come with concerns, come with worries. Really low expectations. Yeah, and that way you can <laughs> just relax and go, oh, okay, it's not that bad. Virtually all my uh, objective friends, right. not the, not the, um, not the uh, Rotten Tomato haters, they come at this, you know, uh, and virtually we all agree it's a B movie. We give it a B. Okay. Okay. It's not an A. Okay. It's also not a C. Okay. And there's enough in it. I mean, the people I, everyone I've discussed it, gave it a B for a different major reason. Hmm. My major reason is that Ant-Man anchors them. I mean, they're, Everybody agrees there's flaws in the movie. It's weak in certain areas. But again, everybody disagrees what that area is. Right. Okay. Well, there we go, Michael. You know, you, uh, Kang and Janet were great. Everything else was bad. I didn't, I don't agree with that. And, and my other friends don't agree with that either. There were things that everybody liked and there were other things that other people didn't, that people didn't like. Right. But what I found amusing and a sign of how, B, this movie is, which means good, not great, is that everyone disagreed on that, that I had talked to. Everyone disagreed on what was best and what was worst. What I liked was that Ant-Man anchored it mm, okay. in a recognizable human reality. Like I said, I'm getting tired of all this thousands of stuff and anything goes, but his character... Paul Rudd, I'm going to just say Paul Rudd, because, you know, Ant-Man is not a superhero. He's a guy in a suit. He's not right. He's not as smart as Tony Stark. Right. He's a guy in a suit, and the suit does everything. But here, you, I, I've watched him get smarter and cleverer through each show. Okay. And here, again, like uh, Fast and Furious series, it's all about family. Each member of the family comes to rescue another member of the family. Family. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the action. Okay. The, the stunt coordinator and the uh, first, you know, first of all, it's a guy from Rick and Morty who's the main screenwriter. And you can okay. tell this is a Rick and Morty episode, except with not Rick and Morty. With right. Ant-Man and the Wasp and the other members rather than Rick and Morty. But yeah, it's the same environment. Any so much going on. Mm -hmm. It's also great to see on a big screen because there's so much going on all the time. But the fight coordinator of this movie was Mark Stanton Kelly, 
who he's pretty much new to fight coordination, but the stunt coordinator is the great Gary Powell. Gary Powell is one of the legends of stunt coordination. And it's funny, last night, and I put it up on Facebook, I stumbled onto HBO. It was my last night of getting my free year of HBO. Right, right, right. Last night, they showed a double feature of Martin Campbell's James Bond movies. Ah, classics. Yeah, well, the best of them. Golden Eye, the first Pierce Brosnan, and the best Pierce Brosnan. And Casino Royale, the first uh, Daniel Craig and the best Daniel Craig. And I, and I said, okay, I'll just watch the beginning of GoldenEye. I was there for the next five hours. Nice. And Gary Powell did the stunt coordination on Casino Royale. And I still think that's not only one of the best action films of all times, it's certainly, it's the best, I think I've decided it's the best James Bond movie. It's, it's, not the original, you know, it's not Dr. Mm-hmm. Hall, it's not from Russia with Love, it's not right, Fear, right, but it is so much more advanced. And it's ironic, of course, that Casino Royale was the first James Bond story that was published. So, this Casino Royale movie was astonishing, and that's Gary Powell. And Gary Powell was the fight coordinator, or the uh, excuse me, the stunt the coordinator, stunt. On right, okay, and that also elevated Ant Man, okay. So thankfully, I was able. If you expect too much, right, you'll probably leave like Gary did, and sort of not Gary, uh, uh, Michael did, and just sort of said, "Oh, that wasn't as good as I wanted it to be." But since I had low expectations, I went, "Well, that was better than I was worried it was going to be." Right, that was entertaining. That was enjoyable. That was satisfying. It right. had the little. It had the little tail on it, you know, the the creating the little doubts about mm. is that actually ant-man or is that um, one of the clones or is that one of the other guys but that's okay now i'm i'm very excited about um uh, gardens of the galaxy 3 that's going to be tragic right <laughs> <laughs> at least they prepared me for it right right and right. it also to my mind from an action standpoint was a lot better than wakanda forever <laughs> okay, we can segue right to uh, uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, revisited, revisited. But before yeah, we're coming back to it, re- reducing it because I've watched yeah. it again. I like watching all the Marvel movies twice because I always pick up stuff on the second viewing. Right. They, they they lavish such love and care and attention on their movies that even if I didn't wasn't crazy over it, like Eternals, right. I am able to pick up stuff even in the worst of them. But right. uh, Wakanda, I watched again, and the action just deteriorated. That was the picture I chose. That was the moment that I just sort of went, what were they thinking? <laughs> the new Black Panther, Siri, mm-hmm. stabbed. You know, bring that picture back up. Sure, yeah. Do we have a doctor in the house? Does anybody want to tell me where? Hold on, let me get my hand into the shot. Let me get my hand into there. Where that spear is going into her body is in the torso. Yeah, it's in it's it's into what we call in kung fu the dantian. That area is the dantian, which is many many 
mystics feel is the center of the soul. She is pierced in the center of the soul. And she's not heavy enough that, that she could hide all her major organs from that attack. <laughs> and yeah, she is the new Black Panther. But then she pulls out, she comes off of it. And I've seen other Kung Fu movies where characters like one of the five Venoms or whatever will do that, will walk off of a, of a spear in their torso, in their gut. Yeah. But I could, but they set up the rest of the movie in the Venoms and the other Kung Fu films that I, I, I could accept it. Right. I could not accept it here. This wow. is ridiculous. <laughs> and, it, and I just sort of went... So I don't buy anything now. So since I haven't seen the movie still yet, yeah. uh, I'm assuming the that Namor's weapon could penetrate the suit because I thought the suit was kind of invulnerable. I thought they show it; it went right through her. Oh wow! It went right through her. Right, and that's kind of like in the spine. Now, until I see an explanation of, for this, if right. I have an explanation, but as, as such, I just sort of went. I'm very just, I mean, the rest of the movie is awesome. I mean, very emotional, very mm -hmm. intelligently done. Right. But, but it's just that, that end finale fight, you were just Well, not just the end finale. The whole conflict is contrived. The conflict, unfortunately, it's very similar to another superhero movie that starts with the word black. Black Adam and Black Panther were both are both based on ridiculous conflicts, on unnecessary conflicts. Gotcha. On conflicts that end, the end of Black Panther Wakanda forever, is she sort of goes, yeah, I should have done what you said all along. Oh, wow. Namor gives her an offer at the, at the at, when they first meet. And she goes, no, I'm not going to do that. And then they go through all this nonsense, unnecessary nonsense. For her to go, yeah, I should have done that. And I go, <laughs> kind of like, kind of like, kind of like you said at the end of Black Panther. When, I mean, Black Adam when Superman yeah. showed up and he's like, "Hey, let's talk." Yeah, it's like, where were you? Where were you two an hour, two and a half hours ago? <laughs> that whole thing with the Justice League, not the Justice League, the League, Legion of Justice, or whatever it was called, where yeah. they show up and just, and they just sort of say the two things <laughs> you never should say to him. Thought action was lackluster, but the emotional journey. Yeah, there you go. Yep, I agree with who was that? Who said that was that? Kevin. Kevin. Kevin, you're absolutely right, Kevin. Yeah. It has to next next month it has to be Fat Samurai Guy and Kevin's. Oh. There you go. Oh, uh oh. Guest guest. I have a guest here. Guest, next time. What I call him guest agreeer. Yeah. <laughs> but meanwhile, mm -hmm. we're we're all reacting to all this Marvel stuff. Like, I don't know, it's been, you know, they can't recapture the endgame magic. And then suddenly, after I finished James Bond last night, I click on to, I'm just seeing what's on Disney Plus to see if I can get, you know, clean my palate. And up pops Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. And I like the look of that poster. And I went, oh, it's a Marvel. It's a Marvel show. How come I've never heard of it until last night? 
I stumbled on it. I mean, I follow Disney Plus on Instagram, and they didn't do any advertising of this. And I saw that it started on Disney Channel, which I no longer have. It started on Disney Channel on February 10th and started on Disney Plus like yesterday. And I said, this looks fun. So I, I, <laughs> I had quite the night last night. I started, I watched the first episode is, is like 45 minutes, almost to an hour. The rest of them were like 25 minutes. This is a great show. I've never heard of it. Interesting. You're, you're bringing it's, it up. It's delightful. And the animation, it is a, it's the first major collaboration between Marvel and Disney. It's the Disney animators. Oh, with, really? With Feige and the rest of the gang. This thing is funny. It's cute. It's smart. It's inventive. The animation is awesome. It's, it's co-produced by Lawrence Fishburne. Who oh. also who also oh. does he's the voice of the narrator and he's the voice of the villain in the last um, episode. Also, it's one of my favorite kinds of heroes because she's not a superhero; she's a suprahero, in that she's an incredibly smart kid, and she cuts through dimensions, and that's where the dinosaur comes out. But then <laughs> suddenly, all these villains start showing up out okay. of other dimensions too. Yeah, and she deals with them as a high school student. And all the villains come have a different attitude. There's one episode where her hair is the villain. <laughs> okay. It's like, and it's so smart. I mean, I'm just watching it. I'm I'm gonna have to rewatch it again. Marvel again showing me that I have to rewatch because every single shot is just thought out. And there's so much, it's the Disney love and it's the Marvel love in one show. Nice backgrounds, the attitudes. Her when she becomes her superhero, she puts on those goggles, and those goggles change. You can see there, the goggles. You know, the goggles change to, to, communicate emotion. That since you can't see her eyes when she has the goggles on. I mean, there's so many smart things in the show, and it's so entertaining, that I, you know, it's thumbs up. I thought uh, I thought uh, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish was the best animation of of the month. I have to throw in Moon Girl, and also I was worried because you know I didn't want what's the the Moon Guy, the Moon Guy series, which was my least favorite Marvel Moon Knight. series. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Yeah, Moon Girl's terrific, and it's based on a, a comic book. Nice. It's right. yeah, it's really the win. Ooh. All right, awesome. Before we move on, Rick, I forgot yes. to ask you. Going back yes. to Ant, going back to Ant Man. Yes. How was Kang? Oh, Jonathan Majors is great. So we have potential that he's is, is he is he supposed to be the big baddie of this? Oh, new he's phase? definitely the big baddie. Okay. Oh yeah, they have uh, the two end credit sequences. Uh, again, show him. Okay. Show him in one of his other guises. Because okay. what he says on Loki, Jonathan Majors plays the on what he said is true. That okay. there's all different ones of him. Yeah, there we go. Mike. Okay. Because okay. awesome. I, I was looking forward to see uh, introducing him. So cool. All right. Yeah. So he was good. All right. Awesome. And you'll see him again in Creed, Creed 3. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming out very soon. Yeah. 
the next action film autopsy for March is going to be stacked. Oh my gosh, yeah, we've got a lot <laughs> of stuff there, boy. I'm looking forward to it. I, I was talking to my friend Elisa from the Comic Con, and I was saying, oh, I guess we can relax in March. And then I start seeing what's coming out. <laughs> oh no, oh no. I know. It's one of the biggest months of the year so far. I mean, John, yeah. they're setting up John Wick 4 to be like their final statement in action cinema. I mean, right. they've just got all these amazing guys in that. But that's next. Let's get back to this month. Yes. So last Friday, you guys, if you guys missed the, the episode, you got to check it out because it's insightful and hilarious because we had Rick and Frank here talking about The Wandering Earth 2. So make sure you guys check out that review. It is hilarious and a lot of fun. But Rick wanted to revisit it here for to talk about the action part. Specifically the action. But first, let me yeah. tell you what I told people on Friday, if you didn't see Fridays, if you're interested in Wandering Earth 2, absolutely watch Wandering Earth 2 first. Yes. Because even though it has a 2 on it, it's a prequel. It's actually Wandering Earth Zero. Zero. <laughs> yeah. And then you can go onto Netflix and see Wandering Earth, which right. is the sequel. Right. And then it'll be far more satisfying as a science fiction epic. Yeah. But Everybody got that? Everybody got that? Yeah. Now, that's what you need to know. Now, in terms of the action, um, there seems to be hints that China, the China Film Bureau is not going to keep denigrating its great kung fu because they want martial arts. They don't want kung fu because they got to control their 3 billion people. So there's a wonderful action sequence in the first 45 minutes of, of Wandering Earth 2, which is a very long film, with a lot of big science fiction ideas. But the big action is in the first hour. And they do a wonderful sequence that would have been perfect had they not cut away from the physical action. There's a lot of digital action that's extremely well done, but there's physical action with this actress and with Wu Jing, my favorite guy. He's the guy holding the woman actress there. Yeah, he's awesome. He's got the blood on him. Wu Jing was Wolf Warrior and Wolf Warrior 2. And he he was becoming, he was going to become the next Bruce, the next Jet, the next Donnie. Yeah, And China Film Bureau cut him off at the knees. After the huge success of Wolf Warrior 2, which I loved, the, biggest, the most successful movies they had done up until then, and he announces Wolf Warrior 3, China Film Bureau said, nope, you can't do it. Yeah. Because you're creating, an, you're creating a solo hero. We can't have people, <sighs> the Chinese people, worshiping a solo hero. We need them to worship a team. So Wu Jing, Wu Jing's not, you know, is, yeah. And it's interesting. We'll be talking about somebody who worked on Wolf Warrior 2 later on here. He's involved in another movie that we'll be talking about here. Okay. So they keep cutting away from him. There's a moment where he's they're building this big fight where he's trying to save the girl and he's going to try to stop the saboteurs from destroying the project. And he's about to really lash out. I mean, rip, unleash. Yeah. They cut away from him right there. They cut away from him right there. And they go to another shot. And when they come back to him, he's finished. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, 
that's what that's what producers do. That's what producers do when they want to minimize the effect of the action scenes. They did that in Snake Eyes throughout the entire Snake Eyes movie, the G.I. Oh, yeah. film. Just yes. watch it. It's like a lesson mm -hmm. on how to kill a movie. <laughs> For whatever reason. I mean, producers, bad producers in Hollywood have a reason to kill movies, and that's yeah. one of the techniques they use. We can go into that. We should we could do a whole episode of about mur uh, movies that were murdered. That would be fun. Yeah. I would be so, I, I would be the Sherlock Holmes of murdered movies. Yeah, that you, would be fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, the last uh, Tomb Raider was a murdered movie. Why is that? Or you want to save that for the video? Well, we could save that, but you know, okay. well, basically, it's really simple because I think I've reviewed it before on Action Film Autopsy, the Tomb, uh, the latest uh, uh, Tomb Raider movie. Uh, they made her into an idiot. And worse than that, they made her into an asshole. They made her into a, in a very, an the first half hour of that movie had her in four different sequences. And each one of those sequences was seemingly purposely designed and, and therefore probably was purposely designed to make you not like her because she reacted poorly in each one, in a different way in each right. one of these sequences. But now let's get back to February. What's All next? Right. Next up is uh, Mr. Liam Neeson himself, Marlowe. This, and... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. This is an amazing movie. Uh, I can't decide whether I like it yet. I want to like it enormously, but I have to figure it out. Hmm. If For those who don't know, I mean, if you watch Friday, I, I brought out my uh, science fiction bona fides. You know, I showed the, uh, the science fiction novels and nonfiction books. I'm also a big mystery writer. Uh, I was... I have several awards from the Mystery Writers of America because of my work with TV detectives. I worked on Murder, She Wrote. I worked on uh, Columbo. Uh, I, awesome. I wrote, I wrote a, a Dungeons & Dragons fantasy Playfair murder mystery called Murder in Halrua. I put mystery plots into a lot of my ghost-written thrillers. So I love mysteries. I was a I was, I was the television honcho and the, and the media honcho and the mystery writers of America over the last 30 years. So I love this stuff. I've watched every great uh, murder movie, uh, detective movie. Oh, oh, speaking of speaking yeah. of that, Rick. Yeah. Ever since your recommendation for Poker Face. Oh, yeah, Poker Face. Uh, me and Lady Fablet started watching it. We love the show, man. It's, we love the show. <laughs> It's Rian Johnson, who yeah, did, who's yeah. a, a huge lover of, of murder mysteries as well, and did Knives Out. Last Watch week. Poker Face, guys. It's Poker great, Face especially, is, especially is the me, the metal episode, Staple Head. Oh yeah, it's awesome. It's but so also, it's, that's his version of Columbo. Right, right. Columbo's unofficial theme song was "This Old Man," the old, the old, uh, yeah, nursery rhyme. And and listen, in the very first episode of Poker Face, when she decides to become a detective. In the bar in the casino she's in, they're playing this old man. That's cool. Music, and it's like awesome. That's, in any case, awesome. so yeah. I love the mystery form. And Philip Marlowe, how many guys, how many, how many people out there watching knows know who Philip Marlowe is? Humphrey Bogart played him in The Big Sleep. Dick Powell played him in uh, not in Farewell. Robert Mitchum played him in Farewell, My Lovely. Uh, Murder My Sweet. 
uh, Dick Powell played him. These are some of the greatest detective private eye movies ever made. Uh, James Garner played in, in another movie called Marlowe. And so I've watched all the Marlowe movies. Bruce Lee oh, yes. in, was in the James Garner that, Marlowe movie. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So here's another movie called Marlowe. And I went, oh, so it's another Liam Neeson movie. So it was just a quick knockoff. And then I saw who the writer director was. The writer director was Neil Jordan. Neil Jordan has won Oscars for The Crying Game and has made other, you know, Oscar-worthy movies. He, he wrote and directed this. And I went, is this going to be good? In fact, <laughs> yeah. is this going to be great? Is yeah. this going to be more than just another Liam Neeson movie? Which, which I enjoy. Not as much as I enjoy Gerald Butler movies nowadays. But right. still, he's, he's never terrible. His movies are never awful. But you can see there, he's in his 70s now. Oh my goodness. And they don't and they don't cover it up very well. Also, I started doing research. Neil Jordan is Irish. Liam Neeson is Irish. They filmed this movie in Ireland in Spain. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I can't remember. One place, I think Spain is where they did all the exteriors to try to recreate 1930s Los Angeles. Yeah. All the interiors were done in Ireland. Oh, wow. It is a very weird movie. It's also, <laughs> interestingly enough, not based on a, a Philip Marlowe novel, at least not an original Philip Marlowe novel. Philip Marlowe was written many years ago. This is a Philip Marlowe pastiche novel. It was called The Black-Eyed Blonde and was written by somebody else rather than the originator of the original Philip Marlowe. So they're okay. not using, so that kind of made perfect sense as they're creating this Franken Marlowe. It's just this weird, it's like an Irish homage to a great LA detective. Huh. I'm going to have to watch it again because I was just like trying to figure this out. It's a classic. It, it's it's sort of like a really pale plagiarism of the original private eye movies of the 30s. I still haven't figured it out. And also. So it's an homage. It's an homage. An homage, but it's also a very inexpensively made homage. Very inexpensively made. So while they have action. It is not, let me, I have the, uh, uh, um, Alex Andres uh, was the uh, action coordinator. And he has no real, you know, no major credit. He only has Spanish credits. So he was the action coordinator they got in Spain. And also Liam Neeson is in his 70s. They apparently didn't have a lot of money to choreograph stuff. So you can see that the fights are very rudimentary and right to the point. But I kind of went, once I got used to it, I went, and also there was not a lot of action in the Humphrey Bogart and Dick Powell movies either. They used their brains more than they used their fists. Usually most of the time they were getting beat up, but they didn't want to do that to Liam Neeson because you know he has a certain set of skills. So 
it's a fascinating movie, especially for me. I your mileage may vary. Oh, are you off? What happened to you? Check to see. Sorry, sorry about that. It's, it sounds like it sounds like a good mystery, though. It is. It's a fa- it's it's a mystery movie that's also a mystery. The movie <laughs> okay. is also a mystery. Right. So for me, I was like, this is cool. Yeah. But yeah, so if you love mysteries, it's it's certainly worth seeing. It's certainly okay. worth seeing just to see what Neil Jordan is doing and to see how he recreates the dialogue uh, from the 1930s tough guy stuff. It's pretty right. cool. All now, right. speaking of not cool. <laughs> All right. So these next two projects, me and Rick have not seen. No, we can, we, I've uh, seen it since then. I've seen them. Both of them. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So before before Rick gets into it, uh, I had a lot of fun interviewing the actor uh, Craig, who plays Pooh in Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey. Uh, sweet guy, uh, very nice guy. It was fun chatting with him. I have not seen the movie yet, but Rick, before you talk about the movie, what what do you think about the the concept of beloved Disney characters or iconic classic characters who put a little dark horror spin on it because there's I heard there's a Bambi movie come in maybe Peter Pan and then we did have a, a Grinch horror flick that I came have, out last last year what's I your have, what's your thoughts on that I have been waiting for Bambi to take her revenge for <laughs> decades I mean if you're of my age yeah one of the great cinematic moments of your life is when you were where you were eternally scarred <laughs> by the murder of Bambi's oh. mom. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. I was there when it came out. Well, I, right. Maybe I wasn't when it came out. Hold on. Yeah. That may have been a 1940s movie. So, yeah, I wasn't there. I wasn't okay. born yet. But, I, but it was one of the things I saw when I was a kid. Right. And, so, yeah. However, just like everything, if they do it really great, then right. I will love it. You're good with okay. Would really great. I won't love. Okay. And here's the deal: we've got Blood and Honey, followed by another murderous bear, right? Specifically, Cocaine Bear. <laughs> and if Blood and Honey had come out without Cocaine Bear, I may have had a different opinion. I doubt oh. it. I doubt it. Right, right, right. Okay. Because one is not good. Okay. And one is good. <laughs> okay. One is not surprising. One uh-huh. is surprising. One has smarts. The other one has dumbs. <laughs> okay. Winnie the Pooh, blood, the concept. Now, of course, Winnie the Pooh, blood and honey is done by a guy named Reese Frank Waterfield. And he's now got a whole bunch of Disney-esque slasher things coming up. Right. He's doing a bunch of them. And he's and he just started making films last year. And he made like six films last year. He's making six films now. He's just so he's not lavishing attention. He's just grinding them out. Yeah. Indie hardcore. So, yeah. Indie yeah, hardcore. So if you want to see Winnie the Pooh and Piglet murder people, <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> Do they murder people cleverly? Do they murder people in an amusing way? Do they murder people in an entertaining way? No, it is a one-trick movie. 
It's right. not a one it, it's, a, it's a it's a slasher, story. right? It's a huh? slasher. It's a slasher flick, right? Yeah, but it's it's and you you hate slashers. No, I hate bad slashers. Oh, bad slashers. Okay. Yeah, I loved I love Freaky. I love Happy Death Day to me. I loved Barbarian. When a movie's great, I love it. Okay. Whatever the genre is. Okay. I love the original Friday the 13th. I love the original Halloween. I love I love the original Nightmare on Elm Street. But when the other ones were followed and were just dumb and stupid. Yeah, the horror vision of uh, Peter Pan. <laughs> so again, the problem I had with Blood and Honey okay. was you see one murder, you see them all. Ah. It's not okay. smart. It's not clever. He doesn't do anything with it. Hmm. Once, you know, I see the first one. I, I love the idea of it. Right. Because Christopher Robin left them. Right. They were starving to death. They had to figure out a way to do it. And I wish they had carried on with the imaginative stuff. If it's gotcha. clever, if it's smart, if I go, oh, yeah, okay, that's cute. That's smart. That's cool. Gotcha. But no. Once, once the first murder is done, the first murder is not bad. But the right. rest of the murders, I mean, the murder in the in the in the uh, hot tub was just like, oh man, I could have done better than that with literally with my eyes closed. Gotcha. So I was just, it was just like it was a trial. It should have been a short. But oh, he's okay. He's doing it for money. Right, right, right. So he's going to do what he can to get it out. He has, he ha That's why he's making so many because he's doing the Roger Corman approach. Right. Well, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's, oh, sorry. No. Uh, yeah. When I, when I talk, when I talk to, uh, when I talked to Craig, Craig. Yeah. I asked them how long, uh, it took to make the movie and they made the movie in 10 days. Yeah. So it's, it's indie hardcore. So it is, it is what it is. But also but, he's, he knows that he's able to sell it to a lot of different markets. So he's collecting the money and he's feeding the beast, but he's right. not feeding my beast. He's not feeding my mind candy. The, the mind candy, candy. Yeah. Gotcha. But, okay. But I was very lucky to have seen that and then got to see Cocaine Bear. So how was Cocaine Bear? That was, I can't say it's delightful, okay. but I am extremely happy for Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks directed this movie. And Elizabeth Banks, she has found her place. I was, I've always liked Elizabeth Banks, you know, uh, uh, Pitch Perfect. Uh, she's, you know, the Joker is wild, the game show. But I was very disappointed in her, her, her version of Charlie's Angels. I said, oh, now she's because, you know, I was also disappointed in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers she was involved with. And so I was just, I was hoping for her, but I, I was losing all hope for her because Charlie's Angels was not very well done. And yeah, that's what been, I heard. <laughs> but she should have been so much smarter. Mm. And here in Cocaine Bear, she just went, fuck it. <laughs> All right. I like that. I'm going to have fun. All right. All right. And she does. And she brings us along. And especially after Winnie the Pooh, it's kind of like, right. All right. There's enough that's smart in here. There's enough that's clever. There's enough that she knows what she's doing. Okay. She has, she has fun with it. And therefore, so did I. Nice. Well, the question I think everyone wants to know, uh, yeah. will Rick be reviewing Meth Gator when that comes out? <laughs> That's coming out. Meth Gator is coming out. You're going to leave that one for me. I'll take the hit. I tend to doubt it. Well, but you want to say that the action coordination 
in Cocaine Bear was done by the great Melissa R. Stubbs. She's right now uh, the I don't want to I don't want to be sexist about it, but she's the queen of the stunt coordinators at this point. You know, oh, Gary right. Powell may be the king, but she's the queen. So when I saw that her name was, the, I said, this is going to be fine. She does a really good job. Was was this, it sounded like you had fun with it, but was this too long? I heard some people say it was too long for this concept. Yeah, of course it was. Okay. Yeah, is it like I, over two hours or something? It's it's too long. But, you know, again, but I, hey. You had fun Lisa with it. Banks was feeling her oats. She All right. Because that was her problem with her other movies, too. She doesn't know how to edit herself. She's she's a classic actress turned director. Because when actor a lot this happens a lot when actors turn directors, they cannot bear to to cut anything out because they fall in love with all of their scenes. Gotcha. And, and since they're in control, they don't have to. All right. What did he just? I just missed that while I was talking. What did he? Uh, Kevin said here, "Cocaine Bear was just silly fun that did yeah. not take itself seriously. It delivers in what it, it's intended to do. Nice." Okay. But it delivers, and what does it deliver? It delivers fun. It delivers entertainment. I'm in. Too long, but hey, I feel great. It's like like looking at it's like looking at a friend who's you know you. I forgive a friend if a friend sings three encores instead of two. I forgive them because they're my friend and they're having fun. And I and see that like, Ray Liotta's in there too. It was his last. Yeah, he finished his last overdubbing before he tragically passed away. Yeah, R.I.P. But it's cool. Yeah. yeah, and this is a nice thing to go out on. Yeah, yeah, I'll Remember be checking it out. It's fun. I'll be checking it out for sure. Yeah. Now, this next film, uh, I've been hearing that he's back. He's back, and now he's great again. And this director, this director is always to me. This is just me personally. Yeah. Everyone's different, but to me, this director, he's talented, he but he. But he he's always a hit or miss for me, you know. He's always like, "Oh, well, that was good. Oh, what was that? Oh, what you know?" And so it's so I heard good things so far <laughs> about about knock it's, at the cabin. Yeah, it's too long. Okay, it should have been you know it should have been ninety five minutes, maybe a hundred minutes. It's like an hour forty seven or whatever. Okay, but here's the deal with me and Mister Shamalama Dingo. <laughs> I will never forgive him. For the last airbender oh well i will yeah. never forgive him for that yeah. however yeah when he does his own stuff okay like he, it, his own stuff is always although this isn't his own stuff he didn't write this although he wrote the screenplay he did not write the original source material oh, the okay. source but he was wise to take someone else's source material because he's running out of ideas yeah. But you know, old, you know, the last one he did was old and that was okay. When he does his own stuff, he I prefer his approach, which is he's going to make them he's going to finance the movie 100%, he's going to make the movie he wants to make, he's going to release the movie he wants to make, and he's not going to look down on the movie he wants to make. He made shit out of the last airbender <laughs> for some reason. I couldn't figure out but this one, it's and it's and it's really interesting because I know the book it's based on. The book it's based on is called A Beauty Came. What is it? A, a Beauty Carved in Time. Oh no, that's not well, it. No, yeah. It was called Knock at the Cabin. Okay. 
called Knock Out the Cabin, the, the um, original. That's what the original I, material was called, too? I don't know. Actually, uh, no, that's the movie called. It's called something else. I forgot what okay. it's called. That's but right. it's not that title. Okay. But I know that book, and I know that book's plot. And Shyamalan uh, changes the plot at the end. And I agree with Shyamalan. Okay. It's an interesting concept, uh, although semi-ridiculous. But he sticks to it, and he makes a movie that is eminently watchable. He uses his skills to make, you know, basically a one-cabin movie. <laughs> and I like, as, I like those. Yeah, it's not terrible. All right. All right. Uh, Kevin says the book was called Cabin at the End of the World. Yeah, that's right. I don't know why I was blanking on that. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin's on fire today. <laughs> like I said, it's got to be Kevin, you know, Fat Samurai that's Action, Sifu Santa, and Kevin's action film. Because <laughs> he knows stuff. I, As you know, we were talking about this with Frank. Frank is a scholar. I'm a critic. Yeah. So, you know, Frank. And I'm a fan. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's yeah. right. Frank knows the facts. I know my own opinion. Right. So I need somebody like Kevin and Frank to say, oh, Rick, it's not all that. Look at my long beard, you know? Every one, of, every one of these follicles means a missing memory. <laughs> all right. So recommendation. Recommend it. Yeah, not You're, bad. All right. All right. Copy that. Copy that. Now, I you posted this yes. so I can watch it. And I was just like, Rick, Rick, what are you trying to do? You're trying to make me cry over here. You're trying to make Samurai Guy cry. <laughs> but let's talk about Jackie Chan's short film. Yes. Yeah, Beauty Carved in Time. Actually not his. It's it's a... Uh, Kevin, find out the director. I'm going to call... <laughs> I'm going to say it's Ivy Chan. But uh, it is an Ivy Chan. I'm again thinking Jackie Chan. It's Ivy something. And I can't right. find out. There's a there's a woman by that name who's an actress. And I asked Frank to see whether the actress in the movie was also Ivy, whatever her name is that I forgot. And um, so we're not sure who actually made this. It's fairly clear it was instigated. Right. I'm just a fan of your work, Rick. Well, you're a legend. Much respect to you. And of course, the amazing. Okay, well, thank you, K.L. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember how I stumbled on this on this short. But it came up, I watched it, and of course it hit me right in the heart. Yes. Because it's the story of an old man, of an oh. old man. Not me, another old man, a Chinese old man, <laughs> who who's remembering the first time he saw his first Jackie Chan movie, which was Drunken Master. And that was my first Jackie Chan movie. Yeah. And I saw it in China. Larry Hama, the great creator of the G.I. Joe line, was working at Marvel. I think he still is, but he had an office then. He was an editor and everything there at that time. I had just come from the set of Christopher Reeve's Superman. I'd come from the premiere of Superman. And I had been upset by Otis because yeah. I was on the set of Superman. It was another, uh, Lex Luthor had another uh, henchman played by Peter Boyle, who had to leave the production because they went over schedule. It's so crazy. They, 
They yeah. quickly hired Ned Beatty. And Ed yeah. Beatty played a character who doesn't exist in the world. There's no person who acts like Otis does. Mr. Luthor. Yeah. So I went, <laughs> I was in Larry Hama's office at Marvel Comics complaining to Larry about why do they always ruin these movies? Why do they always have to camp it up? And he went, why are they, what, when are they ever going to do a superhero movie strip? And Larry literally said, follow me. Larry had already, in, uh, in a previous visit, had already introduced me to sushi. He had brought me to, at that time, in the 70s, the late 70s, uh, the only sushi restaurant in New York. He had brought me to that. And he, he also brought me down to Chinatown, where I discovered tofu. He, there was a restaurant in Chinatown that had 32 different varieties of tofu. So wow. he introduced me a lot of stuff. So at that moment, he brings me downtown. Playing at the at the Bleecker Street Cinema was Baby Cart in the Land of Demons. Ooh. And I my mind was totally blown. Oh that was God. based on a manga, and I yeah. didn't know that at the time, but it was yeah. a comic book. And then he brought me down to Chinatown to the Canal Street Cinema, and there was Drunken Monkey in a Tiger's Eye. And I watched, and I'm the only, I'm, I'm the only white guy in the theater. I'm the only Guaylo in the theater. And so this short is about this, this old man losing his memory. Not being able to remember, you know, directors' names and, <laughs> and names, things like that. <laughs> who is remembering? Who is able to remember Jackie Chan because he did an etching of Jackie Chan as Drunken Master? There it is. Uh, and he comes into the old theater where he saw it as a young man, and there, sitting in the theater is Jackie Chan. And the short does not tell you whether this is the man's fantasy or whether this is real. Right. But at the end of the short, again, there'll be spoilers, Jackie turns and talks to the camera or us. And or in this case, since I met Jackie in the late 70s and I've known him for many years, he talked, he spoke to me. Yes, he did. And Jackie, in the past, has thanked me because I was the instigator of the incredibly strange film show episode or the son of the incredibly strange film show episode that, that introduced him to the Western world and in the, in the English-speaking world the way he wanted to be introduced. Up until then, Jackie had been a, a version of Clint Eastwood in the protector and a right. version of, of Bruce Lee in in the, the low way films, yeah, films with all yeah, this, right, right. But because I told Jonathan Ross about Jackie Chan's Project Day and Police Story and sent him copies because I had worked on the original, uh, I had I had consulted on the original, not even consulted, I guessed it on the original Incredibly Strange Film Show on the Herschel Gordon Lewis episode of the first series because I had written the book for one week only, The World of Exploitation Films. So then during, while I was, they brought me down to Florida and while I was talking to, and they brought me to Pittsburgh for the George Romero episode. And while I was that, all during that, I'm going, you gotta see Jackie Chan, you gotta see Jackie Chan. Oh, that guy in Cannibal Run and the big brawl. No, right, right. the real right. Jackie Chan. Yeah. And so he said, and then he calls me up in a, after he gets all this stuff and said, I'm bringing you to Hong Kong. And so I went on the three-week reconnaissance, or what they call a recce, 
preparing the Jackie Chan special. Then they brought me back with them when they were filming the special. Yeah. And, and so when that special came out, it did for Jackie what he always wanted. So Jackie thanked me then. Then when I did the Jackie Chan comic book, Spartan X, he thanked me again. And then when I was on the short list to co to ghostwrite his, his first autobiography, he thanked me again. So Jackie just keeps thanking me. So at the end of this, this short, when he thanks his fans, I just yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, I felt it too. <laughs> it's a super sweet, yeah. very well done short. And although Jackie has still has his hair dyed in this. He lets his face go natural. He's he's only he's I think eight months younger than I am. So he's 68, or he'll turn 68 in April. Yeah. And the last movie I saw him in, uh, he looked like he looked like Sandra Bullock in Bullet Train. He looked <laughs> oh, like no. a mannequin version of himself. Oh he just no! Like he was made out of plastic. So I was very happy to see him. And at the end of this, up came, you know, because on YouTube, they always say you may want to watch or start. Right. They had a making of short on his new movie, Ride On. Yeah, this looks fun. Well, he's playing a stuntman. I know, it's perfect. And he and here he's letting his hair go gray. And so I'm, I was, I've told Jackie the last time I, I, I was able to talk to Jackie. I was at the premiere in Hong Kong of The Accidental Spy. And and he always talks to me about the uh, the Amer how how do you think the Americans will react to this? And I would always say, "Look, man, I am telling you, you do not have to just keep getting faster and faster and faster and get wounded 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 wounded. It is now time to become the master. Before yeah. you were the student, now it is time to become the master, where you do things with just a move. You do things subtly. You don't have to, you know, be super fast all the time. You don't have to please your boys, you know, right. your stuntman club. And he was, and he goes, very interesting, very interesting. So, and then things happened uh, where, where, and now, of course, China's not interested in Kung Fu anymore. So he's, but he has special dispensation. So now he's beginning to, Stop doing pale copies of copies of copies of pale plagiarisms of pale plagiarisms. Yeah, right on gives me hope that that the uh, and all and this short this this short subject is just go to YouTube and 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 write in uh, the making of right on. And uh, yeah, it looks it looks delightful. Hopefully, it's a lot of fun. And also, he looks good too. Yeah. Yeah, he does, and I, I like I like towards the end he had to say goodbye to the horse because they were done filming, and he got him he got him and the crew got emotional. Yeah, he's you saying goodbye. That may be his new tech. That's maybe where he got the idea for a beauty carved in time. Ah, to say goodbye. Right, right. You know, because now he knows that what he did before is. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Um. <laughs> But, you know, I had to show, after I watched it, since you posted it, I had to show it to uh, to Lady Fat Blood, Lady Fat, because uh, she, you guys don't know this about Lady Fat, but uh, she used to ride horses. That's right. 
So this is perfect because she loves Jackie Chan and she loves horses. Well, you, you so, know, I rode horses too. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I was king at medieval times. Oh, I knew you were king. I didn't, you rode too. I rode, I rode throughout that show. Oh, I come, that's awesome. I come, I come riding in, no, first in my version of, of medieval times, because they change the show every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, in my king, I, I come out in a, a great battle through the fog on my horse. I had two horses that I took care of at medieval times because they had oh, the stables in the back. Yeah. And so, cool yeah, I love horses. Oh, I, the way I learned to ride, I, I should talk to, bring Lady Fat in here. I want to tell her how I learned to ride. Uh, they kept saying, because, you know, I had a month where, you know, they, they cast me in the, in the role of the king and they said, okay, we're going to teach you how to ride. And, I, and, and then they say, okay, you're starting, you're starting your first performance this Friday. I said, you haven't taught me how to ride yet. <laughs> and they went, all right, tell you, because they were going to give me a little bit of training, yeah. a little bit of training, a little bit of training. Yeah. What happens one day, the head knight comes out. He says, this is Diablo. Stay on Diablo. Diablo. This is Diablo. Stay on Diablo <laughs> for 45, 45 minutes. Then you'll Wow. And thankfully, I had visited my 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 brother and my nieces and my nephew prior to, you know, getting this job. And my niece loved horses too. And she said, "Uncle Rick, Uncle Rick." And she put me on the um she put me on the ottoman. And she said, "It's all in the thighs." Ah. It's all, all in the knees and thighs. And I just had that running. So I got up on Diablo. Diablo was not happy, <laughs> but they were smart enough not to put me on a killer. They put me on a wounder. Oh. If I had not known, I had done research. I always do research. Yeah. So I got on the horse. I put, and I'd already started. This was like in 2006, I think, 2000, 2003 to 2005, I think. So I already started learning Kung Fu. I started learning Kung Fu in 2001. So I knew how to direct some of my energy and my healing energy. Yeah. So when I got on that horse, I embraced him. I didn't grip him. I didn't use the American thing, clawing on him. I, I embraced him with my thighs. And I started nice. channeling healing energy. Because, you know, horses have personalities. And right. they lack you. With it. So he tried to rub me off against the okay. wall and i laughed and I said, <laughs> oh come on diablo i know what you're doing he also started to he would canter and then stop to see if he yeah. could knock me off but i was holding i was embracing him with my thighs i was holding and also they did the one thing they taught me at medieval times is hold on to his mane so i uh. had his i had his the reins in one hand but i had his mane in the other hand but again, I wasn't pulling at it. I wasn't trying to hurt him. Yeah. I was trying to anchor myself. And so 45 minutes later. You were riding them. I knew how to ride. How cool and is that? The two, the two horses they gave me, yeah. Prince and Royale, they had, been, they had been working with all the other kings before me. So basically when I sat on them and said, listen, man, I'll make it as easy for you as I can. The horse basically looked at me and go, we got this. <laughs> you just sit there, old man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make you look good. We've got this. We got this covered. All right. 
That's awesome. That's that's pretty. I did not know that. I knew you were the. I knew you were the king. But how cool is that? You rode too. Uh, but yeah, before we do, uh, before we wrap it up and do our quick, uh, our quick recap for those of you who just popped in, uh, really quick, uh, make sure you guys check this out. If you're a martial arts, excuse me, kung fu film lover, you got to watch this. Um, and you know, I, it made me remember too, Rick, the first time I saw Drunken Master, and I kind of discovered Jackie Chan backwards out of order. Yeah. It was like the low way films and then Rumble in the Bronx. And then my buddy was like, hey, man, have you seen Drunken Master? I was like, what's that? And I went to his house and I he showed it to me. And I was like, I was instantly a fan of that movie. I was blown away. Had to see Drunken Master 2. And, you know, I became a Wang Jang Lee fan. Also, the, the super kicker. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. When I was watching it, Rick, I don't know. I think Lady Fat was cooking and there were some onions, like, on the side or something. Because, I don't know. I just face <laughs> it man because crying doesn't make you weak <laughs> crying doesn't make you not badass it makes you more of a badass but uh, yeah I, I loved it make sure you guys check it out but quick recap before we wrap, wrap it up for those of you who just arrived thumbs up thumbs down or or what was it was it was it this what, well, what was your, you. it was this okay okay okay, okay. Yeah, we'll here we go ant-man ant-man okay let me get the hold on hold on okay Okay, right there in the middle. Not this, in the middle. Right in the, right in the middle, all right. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Two Dinosaurs. thumbs up, two thumbs up. All the fingers up. All right. Wandering Earth 2. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you see it in the right order. Marlo. <laughs> Don't know yet. Okay. Don't know yet. It's like... All I right. To, I have to watch it again. I'll, I'll give it a. I'll give it a V for two. Having to watch. Okay. It. Okay. Okay. Uh, Blood and Honey. Okay. All right. Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Another. Another B. Okay. Another okay. solid B. All right. Knock at the cabin. Another solid B. All right. And of course, I mean, we. Are, I mean, come on, we already know. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Uh, but there you guys go. There you guys go. The quick recap before we wrap it up for today. Rick, always a blast to have you here, brother. Talking film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And marches. I did yeah, more talking talk yeah. than I did talking film. <laughs> but you got to get used to that with me. <laughs> oh, man. But it's always a blast. Thank all of you guys for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And do all that good stuff. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Don't forget to get the book. That's right, baby. Get those books. Description. Oh yeah, get, uh, and definitely, and get um, uh, Minions: Rise of Gru. There you go, Minions: Rise of Gru. Rick was involved with that. Me in the end credits, along with Scott Eastwood. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> like, share, and subscribe, guys. Hit that notification bell if you enjoyed the content. We are all on all the social medias, all of them. Uh, check out our merch store. You guys rock! And the next action film autopsy in March is gonna be fire. That's right. It's going to be a banger. And Samurai, guys, I'm not going to be last place this time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet you halfway, Rick. <laughs> I'll meet you halfway because i got to see some of those movies. Absolutely. All right, guys, you are awesome. Take care, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Take care, guys.